Today on the Andy Chen Talk Show, we have Hirzi, one half of the duo Muna Hirzi. Um, we talked about many things, including uh, working against the grain and creating difficult content uh, that is responsible and pushing the limits. Uh, we also talked about the business aspects of uh, creating content, uh, this and many, many more. Uh, but before we begin, I want to say a big thank you to Hone Singapore for sponsoring our shooting location. And don't forget that this episode is also available on podcasts on iTunes, Spreaker and Stitcher. Uh, anyways, yes. disclaimer to everyone out there, I came late. I thought I could break Malay stereotypes, but I didn't. Yeah. Uh, but it's totally not my fault because two Uber cancelled me back to back. Oh uh, yeah, okay, let's begin. <laughs> and they were both Chinese. So, the Chinese people made me late. Oh, I, I see we are doing this racial <laughs> We are already starting this. Uh, let's get yeah. going. And our confession, I also made the Malay joke before she said. Say, hey, what are we doing? Malay time. Uh. Oh, oh. Okay, I'm a Chinese. I, I cannot say jokes like that. I can't say it. You can't say it. Yeah. I cannot say that. I can't say that. Yeah. we begin by, you can introduce yourself the way that you would like to be introduced. Yes, okay. Um, stand to the camera if you're like. Stand to the camera. Like, okay, uh, I, I was going to take a nap. Look. Yeah. But, you know, I guess I have to be... It smells really nice, by the way. Thank you. I try my best to fart beautifully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, okay. How do I look? Cam, do I look cute on camera? Wonderful. Sexy, sexy. gorgeous. Hi. My name is Hirzi. I'm 28, turning 29 this year. And I'm wondering where my life went. That's basically my credentials for now. Just wondering where my life... I literally didn't have a full-time job. Okay lah, for like four months. You don't have, so do you have, do you have a full-time job I've now? never. Oh, so you have never had a full-time job? I mean, apart from before O-Level, I mean after O-Levels, where you do that Watson's job. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I Watson's. Watson. <laughs> I worked yeah, in Watson's. Watson. Nobody knows this. I had two sales jobs in my lifetime. One was with Mark and Spencer's, and that was doing a Christmas promotion sale. Uh-huh. So they didn't need to up their, their sales stuff. And then the other one is Watson's. Watson's was longer, it was four months, and they sent me in Serangoon Garden, so I get all the Thai I don't think crop. you can consider four months like a full-time job. La. Okay, you know what? It was an, like it an was internship. <laughs> do not discredit my truth. But it was so bizarre because I remember being that kid and I was super, when I got that job, I was super excited. I was like, oh my God. How old were you when you got that job? 16. So I said like, oh my God, this is is a real job, so tangible. And then now I'm looking back and I ask myself, would I do it again? But you know what? I've always had two jobs in my lifetime. I said, if I wasn't an entertainer, I still want to go back to it. In fact, I still want to go back to it. I want to work in Starbucks and I want to be a cabin crew. Which all my cabin crew friends says, don't lie, don't lie, don't lie. Were you a cabin crew? My brother was a cabin crew. I see. Yeah, it's not the easiest job. Right? It's true. And it's not that fruitful. I mean, the, the imagination, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't match up. Right? It's quite a tedious and harmful job, I feel. Like, I think physically the, the, harmful. Oh, because of the time? Because of the time, same, because same. of the jack lag, because of like, you're constantly flying the altitude. And then for steward, stewards, right, you have to like, carry stuff so you get injuries on your wrist. My brother still carry has Carry stuff? Look at him. He doesn't carry stuff in his life or what? It's no, like because a- you have to constantly... <laughs> like, this is a very bad position. Like. It's a workout, okay? Uh, sure. But I reckon, I reckon, if we are in the entertainment line, we're so used to that schedule anyways, right? Like, sometimes I'll no, film and at 5 me. in the morning. I hate it, I hate it. I, know. I cannot, I need to sleep, like, properly, like, 11, 12, it's true, it's and true. then wake up at 7. Okay, let's start from the beginning. Like, how was your childhood like? My childhood? Yeah, you're a purebred Singaporean. You say you're one-eighth Chinese, right? Uh, down the lineage of my father's side, my grandmother was uh, raised by a Chinese mom, but she was adopted, so she never, ever 
had that Chinese culture. She was adopted. See, so right. uh, my 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 grandmother's mother was adopted. Oh. So she never had explored um, Chinese, Chinese heritage. heritage, Chinese culture. So she's just Chinese by race, but she was brought up mm. in a Malay yeah. family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so how how was it like? How was your childhood like? Uh. Growing up, I never knew. <laughs> Funny story. Growing up, my father asked me, "What do you?" He just. This was a time where computers just became a thing. That's how old I am. Oh no! Yeah, like twenty nine. Comput- I seriously stopped talking about old. <laughs> just became a Very thing. Rude. So he, he then Microsoft PowerPoint was a software that everyone was so crazy oh, yeah, about. PowerPoint like, and words. Ooh. It was our our Instagram at that point of time. <laughs> yeah, just making slides. Sounded so sad. Yeah. Uh, and then my my father asked me, "What do you want to be?" So I, I told him I want to be a doctor. So he printed out this picture of a doctor from PowerPoint, right? He just uh-huh. found a, a picture of a doctor. And he pasted it on my wardrobe, thinking like, okay, I'm going to work towards it. And I was close, you know, I was a nerd when I was a kid. I was very studious, I was very academic, which is why I still geek out about things like geography and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, you can ask me a lot of the capitals of the countries in the world, except for Africa. I'm pretty good. Uh, and then, yeah, I wanted to travel the world also because a lot of my uncles worked in SQ. Okay. So I saw them traveling, and, and that, that was what I assumed my life would be in 20s. Right. And then my 20s hit, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm not doing any of this. So you didn't want to do media, but you were in like mass, mass comm or something? I, so this is the thing. In secondary school, I, to counter bullying, I started up taking um, drama as a CCA to... I don't Counter know. bullying. Were you bullied very badly in school? I was. I was very quiet. I was very studious. And then halfway through in primary school, I, I shifted school. So mm-hmm. you had to reset and learn yep. socializing again. And yeah, la, naturally, there was a lot of bullying. It doesn't help that my mannerisms are very, very, you know, angled and fabulous. So then I joined drama to find myself a tribe of, of people that, mm. that, you know, were loud or, or something that I could match my voice to. And I naturally fit. So you're naturally loud since I, young? With my family when I was younger, I was naturally... Uh, uh, Showman. Yeah. Like, I, I would give them advice like an adult. My, my aunts and uncles who took care of me when I was younger, because my, my parents are working parents, so I stay with my grandmother for mm-hmm. the daytime. And they would say things like, your mouth is like an adult. <laughs> that sounds completely wrong. <laughs> it's true, your mouth is like an adult. But be, because of the things I would say, the thought processes I would have. Yeah. And then now that I'm an adult, adult I guess the mouth just stayed. The mouth never went It became anywhere. worse. Like. It became detrimental okay. to... A lot of you out there. Anyways, uh, then, yeah, so I joined the drama club and I found my voice. And it was very natural for me to express myself. Mm. As early as Sec 2, I started exploring all my options post-secondary school. And I knew I wanted to do mass comm. Uh, radio was such a thing last time. I, it's still a thing. It's still a thing. <laughs> it's, just, it's still a thing. No, no, but radio uh, was huge. Yeah, it was huge you know, then. in my secondary school, like, yeah. I remember waking up in the morning and to listen to Daniel Ong and then calling Short Fat. Do you remember he had characters? He had Short yes, Fat. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. My email address when I was in secondary school was actually Short Fat after that. Short Fat 89. Uh, yeah. You cannot email that anymore. That was when we, we, radio was all we had. It was, yeah, and it was the most cool thing. I remember coming after school, you would turn, wow, you remember those mp3 players that, that you must sneak it in school because last time you can't bring your phones or yeah, mp3 yeah, yeah, players yeah, to school right. so it's sneak it you don't pretend you're from my age okay? hey excuse me <laughs> I am technically from your age uh, mp3 players I had that as well. we have uh? okay cool have, yeah. so then we would listen 
to it in secrets in class. So cool. Oh my god, where those where did those times go? I lived in a time of this man. Yeah. So you had the transition of uh, this man to MD. MP3. MD. Yeah. MD, yeah. Oh god, that's what it was called. MD and then MP3. And your Nokia had Snake. Did you guys know about yes. Snake? You don't know. Ringtone. She's it's actually about your age, uh, slightly younger. Yeah. Then then the, the, the phones, you can actually buy ringtones from the newspaper. Do you remember this? So if there oh is Oh my god, yeah, yes. The magazines were such a thing. Like, Only the rich kids will buy the ringtone. La. The rest is the... People. So then I entered poly yeah. and then social media started. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, you are younger than me. Because social media started when I was... Working already. I think working already, yeah. So then social media... Like, we didn't even notice it was taking over, but it right. just gradually did. And now it's very nostalgic for me to think of things like magazines. Like pre-internet. I remember cutting out posters from Lime magazine. Do you remember Lime magazine? Yeah, remember. And pasting it on it's my wardrobe. So many things are gone now. Yeah. But it is the new age, right? And I guess you yeah. ride with the wave. And I guess I'm guilty for also perpetuating this industry in both the good sense and I guess the, the bad sense. If you want to talk about influencer culture, please feel free. I will drop tea like nobody's business. <laughs> influencer culture? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay, so you kind of... You already knew you wanted to... <laughs> You wanted to do, uh, you're interested in the media, so you yeah. joined Matscom because of radio? Because you want to do radio? I had radio, and then I was like, oh my god, I. <laughs> At an interview in Matscom, my, my, my teacher asked me, so, and the, the professor asked me, why do you want to join Matscom? I coughed and I said, I want to be the first. <laughs> it's so much I'm I want to be the first Malay English radio DJ. Hey, shut up, la. <laughs> like, hey, you're right, there's no Malay. No, there is, right? There has not been yet. At that point of time when I was graduating, right. there has not been one yet. Uh, who, who's a Malay? Uh, right who's now, I think... Now? I don't know if Adam Pippity is Malay, Indian Muslim or Malay, but he speaks Malay. He was from right. my course, so I know right. that. Uh, but yeah, at that point of time. And I'm like... Oh. I, I, the first time I entered radio class, I panicked at the console. I was like, what are all these buttons? If we're not flying a plane, there shouldn't be this many buttons. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Right. It is quite a panicky <laughs> place. Yeah. So what happened after, after that? How did you, I guess, you transit from like, you didn't go for a degree, right? You went straight into YouTube. This is, okay, this is the bizarre thing. A lot of people yeah. thought that from YouTube, I got recognized and then I went to, to mainstream media. Yeah. But the truth was, we started out our YouTube channel before YouTube became a business, right? Yeah, we yeah. started out when, as early as the times of Nigger Higger, Natalie Tran, yeah. the American like the, YouTubers and the Australian YouTubers. You were 2008, Eight. 2009. Yeah. YouTube just started in 2007. So that's how... I wouldn't say advanced because we didn't start it thinking like we want it to be a thing. We started just for fun. So mm. that's how early we started it. And right after graduation, I was doing your old school actor stuff. I knocked door to door for auditions. I kid you not. I would go to AADB. Also, you wanted to be a performer. Yeah. You're, you're, so your passion is performing? After poly, yeah. After poly, okay. I went to mandy.com and I would like take up any job. So I was an AP, I was an AD and an actor. These were the three roles that I frequented. There was one time on set, the producer was, I guess, trying to save money. She hired me as a... She, okay, she auditioned me for a role that she already casted because she just found out about me. And she loved me so much, she wrote a role for me for that series. Oh, this nice. was my first ever TV show. And then after that, she found out that, eh, actually, he can do a lot more things. So she made me an AP on set as well. So you were <laughs> an actor and an AP? AP? I think, I think you're being taken advantage of. I realise that now. <laughs> so, State Production House, it's okay. From there, I learned a lot. And from that, actually, I also learned to produce 
Right. Uh, so while knocking door to door for audition, I was also doing YouTube on the side. So on days where I'm not filming, I would meet my friend Muna. So when you did YouTube, it was for the intention of being a performer? No, just, just for being annoying AF. <laughs> Muna you and I, yeah, Muna and I, right? We yeah. we were we were annoying like that in school already, and people in class either found us very amusing or very annoying. We were that line, yeah, the you know. They say there's a line you don't cross. That line, I walk on it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so we were already like that, and we always said, "Wow, if there's a camera on us twenty four seven, we'd be so funny." This was a time when Paris and Nicole had their own reality show. Right. Paris, oh, Paris gosh. Hilton, Nicole Richie. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god, we are so damn. Why don't we have a camera on us?" So we put a camera on ourselves, lah. This was a time when this was the camera angle. Damn annoying. It was selfie all the time. Then sometimes the zoom, I forget to unzoom. Right. So this is this is the shot. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the beginning of YouTube. It's all it video was, quality were like that. It was. So yeah. that's how I started YouTube. Right. Uh, and the same time, I was doing TV. So people thought like, oh, it's from YouTube that he got to TV. But that wasn't true. Although I cannot deny that it was from my content on YouTube that made me discover on mainstream the way I wanted. Mm. Or that, I appreciated that, that it. That leveraged you up. Lah, right? Because yeah. the... I went the traditional path of like See. being an extra and then they are very small. You were an extra? I was an extra. Oh, I want to hear the story. The story, the worst story is that, I mean, you get scolded and everything, of course, we are, we are always the one being scolded if an extra. The worst thing was there was once I went on a shoot and then we went for, we break for lunch, like the three, four of us were extras, right? Together with everybody else. And then after lunch, right, they left without us. They forgot we existed. Oh no, it always happens to them. Yeah, and then they caught, and then after that, then they called, say, where are you? I'm like, hey, you never no, take us. Never bring us up. Then, <laughs> now you're asking us where we are. Yeah. So we, we were that insignificant. Like, it was not <laughs> a very good thing for your morale <laughs> at that point of time. Oh no. Then you, and I was an acne filled boy. Like, I, I very but you low wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be an actor. See, see, see. So, uh, so I did the path law, then I eventually joined Star Search, and then I, like, by some shit luck, I won it. See. And then, but I was a shitty actor and I was not good looking, so I didn't get any jobs after he's that. Not so Are you guys hearing this? He says he's not good looking. Okay, I'm decently like watchable now, but when I was, I, I'm honestly going to look at my old pictures. <laughs> you go and watch it. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like I, I was not good looking. At, at least in the industry standard, I was not anywhere close to good looking, and I was not a good actor. And I, I thought like after Star Wars, you're like, hey, hey right. Star Star Search, you're like, hey, I'm the winner. I'm gonna be like A-lister right. from now on. Wow, that was it was a horrible like. That's, okay, that's the thing. Upwards, man. A lot of young people don't understand yeah. that just because you're in already or that year is your year doesn't mean your shelf life is yeah. gonna be forever. Yeah, that mm-hmm. you gotta keep hustling. Yeah. And people don't. I gotta stop holding my creamer. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that that's one thing. Like I guess I wouldn't say OGs because I'm not. I won't consider us OGs, but people who have What's had OGs like old people. old gangsta, old gangsta. Yeah. Uh, you are younger than me. No, no, like, but we we both had a taste of the transition. Yeah, you know, like the the the, the old school way of getting to the entertainment yeah. business, yeah. and then how the the new age way yeah. works. Yeah, but then I feel like there's such a divide. I, I, it's like we're literally just having a conversation. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not even going by your pointers. Spicy. No, don't worry, I don't have to. Don't you feel like there's such a divide these days yeah. where the OGs now, right, feel like there's such a wave of new style that they want to hold on. on to their way. And they call, this is the classical way. I don't want to learn new things. And then the new school people say, you know, this is the new age. We... We don't think your way is relevant anymore. I always feel there should be a middle. Mm. And maybe because I am that transition period, there's so much we can learn from both sides and there's so much crossover that can happen that is not happening. 
You understand or not? I understand what you're saying, yeah. but honestly, I feel that the old school, which I would call, I wouldn't even call mainstream media because they're not really mainstream anymore. It's just traditional media. It's... See. There are a lot of flaws to it, I would say. Um, I, I like the process of being an extra and then like being on set and then really knowing your stuff and then earning your way up. Not because I think that people should be treated shit, like badly, but because there is a learning curve there. Right? You learn how to be an actor first. But for, for a lot of influencers nowadays who get a lot of attention and then they basically get roles, and like main roles and lead roles in shows, uh, the very big thing that, uh, issue I have is that they can't act. Yeah, it's like if you don't have a craft, yeah. then you don't belong there, yes. right? So, um, I mean, use it as a leverage for sure. You know, like we have some influencers that when they first began wasn't very good, but now after a while, yeah. they are showing like promise that they can actually perform. So there's always that curve, but a lot of influencers are still like basically unpopular. Then that's it. I'm that is a horrible stuff. toxic mentality yeah. to have. This yeah. is this is where I stand with social media. Yeah. Okay, if you're starting out. Social media for you should be a platform to practice and condition mm. your artistry. Mm. It is where you make all your mistakes because who cares? You only answer to yourself. But you make mistakes and you get better at it so that when you go into traditional formats like theatre, TV, film, mm -hmm. uh, you become the best versions of what you are. Like. It's like yeah. futsal. You go to futsal before you main the Premier League. You, know, you play the Premier yeah. League. Uh, and a lot of these influencers have this entitlement that, no, I made it already. This is my numbers. I don't need to audition. And I always feel like there's a problem. Really? Like they think that? People no think they don't have to audition in life. And I say, if you want to be an actor and you don't want to audition, that, that should be your main like in list yeah. of skill sets you do. Uh, audition is 80% of yeah, what yeah, you do. Yeah. You know? That's like 80% of your job. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, the other day I was auditioning uh, for this film, Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. and Pierre Peng was there. So yeah. if Pierre Peng can audition... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any Tom Nick or Harry from the internet can audition Everybody as well. Everybody should audition. I mean, okay, I'm, because I'm a media, I used to be a Miracle actor, right? See. And then once you get to a certain level, you don't audition anymore. So I haven't oh. auditioned, like, for many years. I didn't have to audition. And I, I hated it. I mean, I hated auditioning because you have to prepare. And a lot of times, you spend a lot of time preparing and you don't get the job. It's horrible, I understand. Yeah. But the fact that you are not given a chance to fight for your own like, yeah. destiny, like it was that. a horrible feeling for me. Like it's you. like, it's I, like, like I could have done that role. Like, why, why didn't you give me a chance to audition? And I know by sacrificing, uh, by enjoying this comfort of not auditioning, I'm basically also giving up my rights to fight for another role. And That's I hated true. that. I think that we should all fight for what we want. Yeah, I, I so like that. that you, you get the best now. out of the process. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was, you were saying that a lot of them think that... Um, you mentioned something about YouTube being like a learning stage, like yeah. basically, and then like for to be to prepare for the mainstream media and stuff. But I, I actually don't agree at, at at this point right now. I feel that um, the me, the media's are merging. Yeah, they right? are. So YouTube and TV are merging. Content yeah. on YouTube has the quality has increased by leaps and bounds, and the attention on it. I won't even say just YouTube, but on Facebook, on on Instagram, whatever short form content you are putting out there. Yeah it can have a lot more attention than mainstream media. And I would say that um, it's not that one is better than, uh, than the other, but it's that if you, want, if you want to do well on one platform, then you need the craft set for that platform. Correct. But for a YouTuber, you need, for example, creativity, you need producing craziness, skills, yeah. producing skills, and you know, like, like really good work ethics. And then for TV, you need like another skill set. So you learn, to, if you want to jump from one and another, then you must be prepared to learn all the skill sets for the different platforms. Correct. I... I mean, the reason why I say what I say is because one of the biggest uh, leverage of, of being an online personality yeah. is that 
you have independence, mm. and that's also the biggest danger. I feel like people who take their independence for granted mm. and don't come with the attitude of I'm here to learn and I'm here to develop. The word is development. You must want to develop. Mm. You come with the mindset and the entitlement of I'm already good. Then you don't improve yourself. You see a lot of like youngsters coming into the YouTube scene or the Instagram scene and be like, no, 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 just take pretty pictures and then that's enough. And that's not the case for me. I feel like if you don't want to learn, you don't want to develop and condition your skills, you you never become better versions of yourself. And that's the issue I have with with the independence of YouTube. And that's why, why we have a lot of sagas with campaigns with influencers because. They've never deal with a team. And even if they do, their team are made of people who are friends. So they never come from a red taping point of view. Right. See, when we work in, in, in traditional media, we have producers who tell us, actually, no, you can't say that. You can't say this. And while that's bad and good at the same time, you learn uh, the terrains of, of, of uh, consuming content. Yeah. And, and that's why I think like and then a lot of influencers be why why I cannot say that funny what it'd be like yeah it's funny but it's funny in a social setting yeah. in a social media setting where your audience is far larger and the <clears throat> access that they get to your content is is beyond your control you don't get to control who gets to watch your content mm. and that's the most difficult thing especially when you're doing comedy online mm. uh, you will offend people. And are you answerable to those offenses? Which is why I say, I know my fine line. I don't cross it, I step on it. So it's enough for me to push buttons and, mm. and get my conversation going. But it, I've learned lah in the last 10 years. I've made mistakes in the last 10 years as well. So mm. Do you feel that, like, I think I, uh, the issue here is that actually I've never seen it from that perspective because for me, I had a long history with like traditional media and then working as an employee. So, like, you kind of see the way things work and you realise that you're a very small part of, like, a very big organisation. Mm. But a lot of influencers, I would say now, from what you're saying, is that because they just, basically, they got traction and then they started to be able to make a living out of uh, whatever social media platform that they are on and they have never really worked a single day for anybody else, yeah. right, in a way. So, they are not self-aware. So, a lot mm. of, they don't understand, like, how the world works or how, like, most corporation works and then they just work with their own rules and then that caused a lot of clash between them and... Correct. And like clients, that's what you're saying. That's what I'm thinking. That makes sense. That makes sense. And don't get me wrong, there are amazing uh, influencers or artists turned influencers. Influencers yeah. such a it's, such a, broad, a it's a very broad it's, yeah, it's, right. Like you have people from mainstream media who are yeah. also uh, influencers by their own right. Uh, but I'm talking about the online people who, yeah, yeah. who only stuck with online. And there are those that are good as well mm. and are very talented in their craft. Like I think Pretty Please, mm. uh, you tell 666, they are very, very aware of branding. They know their taste, they know their flavor, so that when they do campaigns, right, it's so authentic. Every time they do a campaign, I'll be like, how did you get the client to approve Yeah, this? actually, that's a very hard thing I realized, for, even for my own channel. Like, yeah. I started, and then when, when uh, clients start coming in, I started to just do work that the client wants, and I realized that yeah. it doesn't feel right. So, actually, find, like, keeping your own sense, your own brand while mm. working with clients is not an easy It's not thing. easy. Yeah. Uh, and I always salute the people that can do that. Because, mm. okay, this is, this is the analogy I have with working with clients yeah. online, okay? Is for me, like, a person coming to a hairstylist, buying a haircut. Yeah. They're paying you to do a haircut that they want. Yeah. So you got to give the haircut that they want to the best of your skills and based on your advice. Because clearly they want a haircut that's not good for their head shape. You give them that advice and mm-hmm. give them, oh, actually, it's better if, you, if, if we 
we go for the cut, but in a different tapering of, of the, the fade, maybe. Right. Right? Right. Imagine if you come to a, a, a salon, you pay for a haircut, you say, hi, I want a pompadour, you shave your head ball. And she says, no, look better like this. As a client, you would be mad. That's a good analogy. Yeah. yeah. So it is the conversation between client and stylist or client and online personalities that needs to bridge. It's a Venn diagram that needs to meet the middle spot of X. Right. Uh, and half the time, Singaporean agencies, client, creative people uh, don't know how to bridge conversation. It's not, it's not easy though. It's not. Yeah. Uh, and that's why when you have brands like UTL and Pretty who, who push for their branding, their branding is so strong that every branded content that they do, I am okay with it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's annoying to now scroll through social media and everything you see is a branded post. Yeah. I didn't come online to look through advertisements, yeah. you know? But... That is not wrong as well for influencers to take up. You need to earn your money. So then my challenge to influencers out there is, can you make consuming advertising entertaining at the same time such that the audience don't go like, ah, I'm looking at a brand approach. That's the holy grail. That's like, but it's so hard. It's like, okay, that's what everybody's talking about. Like basically making um, advertisement that people want to watch, right? Mm. Like, but... It's so hard. It is, it is. It's it is hard when clients still want you to do this. Yeah, exactly. And, and then they like, you know, I want you to talk about the specs of this, and then I want you to showcase this part and tell like like seven details of my like camera or whatever. It's like, huh? Like no, it's so yeah. ridiculous. We have one minute on Instagram. Yeah, it's like madness. And and then and then they add say, but make it natural, okay? Yeah. Hi guys! <laughs> Casually sharing with Working you. With, like clients sometimes it like, really makes me vomit blood. Uh, so really, one really, trick really. I've yeah. I've mastered yes, uh, in communicating with clients is yeah. uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. So Warner Music approached me uh, once last year yeah. and it's like here's you want to send you to Sydney, go to an Ed Sheeran concert, and then just video yourself having a good time and then post it up. Then I said, Oh okay, I will take up this gig, no 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 issues. Then I asked them, but I don't think, in my head, I was thinking, I don't think it's that fun for my audience just to see a highlight video of me at the concert. Like, they will watch, but will they be engaged? Mm. Will there be traction? Mm. So I said to them, honestly, tell me, what do you hope from this engagement? And I always ask that question. What do you want from this engagement? Because there must Mm. always be a call to action. Nobody will just do something for branding. Maybe they will, but like, there will always be something that they hope. So they said straight up, oh, we hope that there will be more pre-sales for his uh, album before it comes out, lah. I'm like, okay. That's a fantastic question. Yeah, you're, you're right. We should be asking that every single time. So then I said, okay, you give me 24 hours and I'll come back with you with a new concept. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, they were surprised that I want to come up with a new concept for them. So then I thought overnight, how would I get Husey's audience to buy pre-sales for Ed Sheeran? Because my audience are Husey audience to buy Ed Sheeran's, concept, uh, Ed Sheeran's pre-sales. And then I said, what if I tell my audience or I troll my audience that Husey wrote one of his songs in his album. So then I, I crafted and drafted up this huge uh, mood board and everything in a script, right? Where Hirzi goes to Sydney to shoot this collaboration video with him. And then like in the video, it's Ed Sheeran as well in a, in a, in a meeting with him. And sell to the audience that, hey, if you want to know if this pre-sales is happening or not, if, if, this, if this collaboration is real, then go buy his pre-sales to find out. It was my favorite campaign of 2017. It went viral just overnight. It was like 100,000 views already. And I was like, oh my God, people. And people like Tabitha Nauza, shout out to you, wrote to me, like, Kirzi, I'm so proud of you that you're writing for Ed. I'm like, 
in one world that you can buy the But that, that is the fun because my audience know me as a prankster, as a right, troll. Right, right. So it comes with your brand. And it comes with but your if brand. But if I would have done that, my, I think my fans would have killed me. You don't do that. Yeah. Uh, you do something that is so authentic to your branding as well. But at the same time, you bridging what the client wants Right. Uh, with the brand and then your brand. Yes. So the Venn diagram, it's all about all the Venn diagrams meeting right. in the sweet X. And that's what I feel if online personalities start conversing with clients more and clients allow their mind and ears to open, open up, up a little yeah. bit more, uh, that more opportunities like that can happen. Like I recently just did this campaign with the speakers and the agency was just saying like, we love what you do all the time. Uh, give us a concept that you have in mind. So I decided, okay, uh, like it's a wireless earpiece and I'm just gonna, I just posted it yesterday. And I saw it, I saw it. I'm yeah, just gonna, Instagram. I'm just gonna walk around and the thing is about me, when I consume music or when I experience music, I always play up a music video in my head. So what if this earpiece, right, plays up this fantasy in this video? Because you're so free from wires. Right. But you do the production and everything else. I do, I do. Yeah. So you have a team with you or do you do it? That video, I was, I was the only one <laughs> producing everything. Huh? So you shot the video alone? So there's a DP that I will sit down with and right. then I will guide him. Uh, I usually have a bigger team when right. I did my YouTube stuff with Muna, but yeah. now that our channel is closed yeah. uh, and I'm doing my own stuff, I was basically managing that. But it was good, leh. I was surprised that I could pull it off. Yeah, it's, it's very good. It's quite well done. Good I mean, not the video, Instagram but like... The, 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 the video is well, very the well done. The process. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, the video is very well done. I was thinking like, like oh, like who, how did you shoot this? Like, what's your team behind it? <laughs> A gimbal on myself. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, it was just one DP, two dancers, that's it. And you know, you, 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 your presentation of yourself like on, on, on like, um, like YouTube and on TV, it's always this like almost manic person like you know very flamboyant very loud but you are actually very calm in person very calm and you you are someone who thinks things through a lot of people you are have surprised. a lot of plans yeah so you are actually <laughs> like that I'm actually I, I'm, I'm surprised and okay so that leads me to my next question if I'm very interested I'm bipolar that's true it's been diagnosed yes that's exactly what I was going to ask <laughs> like okay it's, it's, nev- it's not easy I'm sure first of all you are you're Muslim right mm. I assume you are Malay Muslim and then the, the culture here, it's, it's very conservative, conservative yeah. I would say. Yeah, you know, and then to do what you do on, on YouTube, I always thought that it was just you going like, fuck it, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do like, I don't care about anything. But like from your character, it feels like everything is planned out and every, you know what exactly you're doing. You're mm. working on the thin line and you are, you're making plans. So why did you decide to, to, to do the kind of content that you and Muna would do? Loudest voice gets the biggest traction. So if I started out doing this, talking uh, about all my points of view, about all my conversations, versus me dressing up as a Mina in a blonde wig, (laughs) in a gold bra, doing music parodies, talking about things that you would never hear other people talk about, this would get the respect, but that would get the attention. And then you ask yourself, who needs this conversation? The people who already believe this and, and are in line with my values or the people that are not yet? And part of bridging conversation involves that. So I wanted to get the biggest pie of the chart. I'm going to drop my Anaconda parody first so that everyone will be like talking about these parody series. But over time, each parody was a lesson for... I think 
bridging conversation. I'm not one who impart my morals or values on someone. I'm someone who likes to bridge conversation. Because there's so many extreme ends of demographic. It's like Singapore is such a melting pot, right? Mm. That no one wants to meet in the middle because we're so comfortable in our comfort zones. Yep. But online forces you to break that because you have excess. Mm. And that's why I guess I chose those platforms. I mean, authentically, I am still that person. Remember I said like when I was young, Moon and I were annoying and we just wanted a camera on us? Yeah. It's still me as a person. Yeah. I'm not too far from that. But I guess... This calmness also comes from 10 years of growth being online uh, that I know now where is what, which is why I'm so excited to start my 30s. I, I step into my next 10 years with the knowledge of my last 10. And there is something with the liberty of what I'm able to do now that I know a lot of my artist friends in the Malay industry go like, I'm so glad that you, know, you, you get to do it because we can't. You know, we, we come with the red taping of if we want to continue doing work, we can't say certain things. We can't speak up for certain things. Because they don't have their own platform, basically, yeah. right? And the other easier answer is if someone's not doing it, then nobody will. I'm not here to play hero, but I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm going to be the one to talk but about it. But do you it. feel that you, you do have like a certain like social responsibility as an influencer that you are doing this? Or it's just like... you? It's not a hero complex. Uh, yeah. like, like, I think sometimes when people want to do good, sometimes they have a hero complex. Like, oh, I'm going to do this for people. But I think I do it because it is just super authentic to my truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is super authentic to the things I stand up for. And like, it, it, it's beating so loud here that I'll be like, why am I keeping quiet about this? Why is this the norm? And uh, over time, you just... I, because I'm someone who stands up for someone. Like, if, if I see something in the public that doesn't involve me, it's a scenario, and I see it's clearly wrong, I, I've stood up for people before. Uh, and I'm, I don't so know. So uh, that has been, like, basically in your DNA, yeah. right? I'm a bad bitch. Uh. I'm not a hero. I'm a bad bitch. <clears throat> right. right. So, okay, for those... Okay, <laughs> I have to say that most Chinese will not, have, will not understand what's going on. Because I didn't know um, how conservative the, the Malay community actually still is in Singapore because we are, we are quite like progressive, right? You we would are, think we are We like to think we are quite progressive and we are, you know. But I remember I was on set doing a, a, a Channel 5 show and then um, uh, one of my co-actors is, uh, is, is Malay, right? And then we were shooting the scene in like a bar, like a bar area. And then she was like very worried because she didn't want to stand too close to the alcohol. Same. And then I was, in my mind, I was like, huh? I, I, it didn't even hit me at first. I was yeah. like, huh? What, what do you mean? Like, why? Same. And then after that, I realized that because if she's whole, if she's close to the bar, I mean, she's it seems like she's drinking alcohol. She was she's gonna get it very badly, Same. you know. Like I, I don't know, like either by the audience. I don't think I don't know whether it's gonna it's by the the company or it's by the audience. But she was clearly yeah scared and Same. and you know, and I, I, I that was when it struck me like oh like it can get this conservative yeah this conservative. Now I'm gonna. Ping the conversation and then because I'm all about bridging the conversations and so now to in the defense of your friend uh, I think there's also a lack of understanding of reverse demographics so to bridge ends of conversation everyone needs to understand each other Mm. and I can almost understand and empathize the situation Mm. because um, when you're a Malay you're immediately known as a Muslim in this region and we are 
we have specific guides to how uh, we present ourselves, which is fine. Unless, of course, she's playing a character that was a Mina that drinks and stuff like that, then it's fine. But if that was not in her written character to do that, producers who are not of Malay descent needed to understand the repercussions of such thing to an artist like that. And yes, while the conservatives shouldn't be too conservative because it's just entertainment, it is also everyone understanding and mapping out each other's conversation that I feel doesn't take place too often because, like I said, everyone's so comfortable in their comfort zone. Okay, to, to be fair, the set was, was handled very nicely. Same. Like, she basically, like, said, hey, you know, in a joking way, like, you know, oh, you know, she's going to get some back, backlash from yeah. this. And then the producers also understood and then made whatever arrangement. So it was a, it was a nice, it was not like a, like a fight or anything, but uh, for me, it was a moment to learn. To, so I, to say they both, the, the director and the actor handled it beautifully. Um, yeah, but it's I mean, good. And it's I, yeah, it's good. It's fantastic. It's conversation, yeah. but it also like enlightened me like a, a, like a dumb Chinese at the side who doesn't know anything. Yeah. But I mean, um, for you, okay, and I have nothing wrong with uh, con- the Malay community being more conservative. I mean, that, that has always been the case, but you are sort of pushing that boundary. Would you say you are pushing the boundary? Do you think that you are trying to make the Malay community more progressive, in a sense? Or To say that conservative Malays are not progressive is, is a little bit wrong. Okay, I feel please like, educate me. I, uh, I feel like con- uh, conservative Malays just have values that they hold on to, which is perfectly fine. What I feel like is an issue is the shutdown of uh, addressing people who don't. Or is the deterrence of or shutting up of the people that don't hold on to their values. So there are, there are pockets of conservative Malays who are super loving and inclusive, which I've seen, I've experienced, and I appreciate and love. But there are also bigger pockets of conservative Malay communities that say, no, this is our way. The fact that you're brown, the fact that your name has an Ahmed or Muhammad in it, if you are representing us any other way than our way, that is offensive to my culture, my upbringing, my race, please get out. That is what I have an issue with. That you need to realize at the end of the day, we live in secular Singapore, where the religious freedom and the racial freedom is, is part of our values. And just because I don't subscribe to your strictness of how you, you function uh, with, with your moral code, doesn't mean that I cannot be visible. Like for me, I, I think trans communities exist in this country, but for you to shut them down, for you to shut them up, like as if they don't exist, it's been 53 years. We are ready to address every beautiful shade of Singaporean. Uh, and that's what I... I am not this person who wants to push conservative Malays over to being progressive. I want them to just accept and address. And a lot of times they will, they will argue, and say, no, we accept. We just cannot, you know, uh, we, we, we just cannot speak up for it. And it's okay, you don't have to speak up for it. But do you really accept when you don't address? That's a huge issue. When you turn your head away... But because it comes down to something that's super sensitive, which is religion, right? Yeah. Religion is always like the untouchable thing that we cannot talk about and we cannot... Can and once... Can. In, a way, like, in a way, like, okay, if it's about race, if it's about skin colour, if it's about like, sexual orientation, people usually will be like, oh, okay, you know, it's a choice. But, but because there's something 
sacred about religion to mm-hmm. a lot of people that they say like because the religion says so yeah. like you cannot do this and if yeah. you are doing this that means you are against the religion which makes you a sinner and then yeah. you know with all the negative connotations that come with that then but that's how the do issue. you fight that how do you fight how do you even fight that to begin you, with you don't you don't fight you don't fight these people you hopefully tell them that hey this is my life and these are my choices uh, and that's 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 the thing like i feel like there is a barometer that exists among and this is this is in defense of Muslim, in, in, in defense of conservative Muslims, this is not just existing in, 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 I think, the Muslim community. I think it's existing in a lot of other Even religious our, organizations. Even our Christian community has, is facing the same problem, which is like the very conservative, purist uh, Christian organizations are, are always having a, a lot of friction with um, the more, I would say, progressive and Left, more liberal, yeah, yeah liberal uh, Singaporeans. There is this barometer that exists in, yeah. in conservative people that that uh, you must stick within these guides because if not you are so uh, you, you are making us a part of, of that and, and we don't want to and it, I'm not saying be a part of it I'm not saying that if you are against I don't know drag shows that you must come and watch and pay for it nobody's asking you to <laughs> yeah, okay. but I'm saying to shut that down and to shut that up that is an issue that is you infringing on someone else's rights to live uh, while well, we never infringe on your rights to live what if someone says let's shut down Oof, I'm going to get so much flag for this. Oof, okay, I will not say this. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> do it! Like, no, what if... What, okay, I, I'll, I'll give a fine example. Yeah. If conservative Muslims just reflect their community and how they treat specific individuals in this country the way Americans treat Muslim Americans, that's just a mirrored reflection of what you guys are doing anyways. Because in America, being a Muslim is a minority. When I went to America, I had to come out as a Muslim. And people go like, oh, oh, you're, you're a Muslim. And so it's the same thing here. Why would you do it to other communities when elsewhere in the world, you are a target? You are a victim of this stereotype, this label, this ostracity. Why do that? Right. So basically, because, just because you are the majority here doesn't mm. mean that you are the majority overseas. So we are all the victim and the... If everyone just learn to, to, to live and let live, my issue is the shutting down and the shutting up. So I, I think, I, I, I think by my, my opinion, it's pretty similar to yours. Basically, you, you are entitled to your own rights. You're hmm. entitled to your own thinking. Nobody's asking you to support something that you don't support. Uh, but respect other people's choices. And don't, if it doesn't affect you, if it doesn't, if it doesn't harm the society, yeah. it doesn't harm anybody else, then you shouldn't interfere with that. Correct. Yeah. Okay, we are obviously simplifying a lot of the things. I love uh, this conversation. I hope but, it yeah. all is... Uh, what, yeah. you need, if this is I'm too doing, long, you need to upload everything in parts. I, I, I do like two-hour episodes. This is too good. Because it's a podcast. I love so, it. Yeah. So I, I watched this. your Pink Dot video. Basically, and I wanted to... Um, I, I, don't, I, I wasn't fully clear about your stance. and uh, I mean, it was clear about your opinion, but I wasn't clear about where you are personally. And then uh, I just wanted to ask you, because... From what I've gathered and uh, the videos I've watched, the articles I've read, that you are someone that works, goes against the grain, right? And 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 by talking to you today, I realized that you are making those choices uh, knowingly. It was Same. not just like it's not a rash decision. Same. Like you plan your stuff. Same. So my question is that like like what what do you stand for? I mean, what what do you stand for? I want to find out How? what you stand for and why you're fighting so hard for these things. Yeah. I think. 
the reason why I stand for things the way I stand for things is always separate from my personal narrative. Uh, there is no hero or god complex. I mean, I, I probably do have a diva complex that one everybody who has worked with me would know. Uh, but I think every I, performer has a little bit of that in them. <laughs> Thank you. It's not just me, okay? Uh, maybe you a little bit more. I'm <laughs> a lot more. Uh, but it is never about my personal narrative. I think I have stood up for hijabi rights earlier in my career, before I stood up for, for queer rights. And I'm not a hijabi. I'm not a woman. Yeah. I'm not a conservative. Yeah. So... I feel like a lot of people just want to tie narratives together. They do. I'm... And even if the truth is such, it is a non-issue at this stage. That is not the conversation I'm about. It's not about me. It is about what uh, is brought to the plate. Yeah. And I don't know. I think people bring up the conversations just to infringe uh, or, or, or decrease try the credibility. To, to discredit the yeah. conversation. And... Even so, it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me for you to discredit that conversation uh, just because, oh, this person's a hijabi, that's why she's speaking up for, for uh, Muslim rights. So? <laughs> she, the fact that she's a hijabi, it's even more a conversation that she wants to have. And if someone who's not a hijabi, who stands up for this hijabi rights, it doesn't matter. Uh, it is a conversation that just is regardless of who you are in the demographic of society. So I, the reason why I also do my, my queer narrative so hard is because nobody else is. Uh, I've had many times where my trans friends come up to me and say, you know, I auditioned for this TV show because I have numbers, I have following. And then they told me to come to audition. Uh, but after the audition, I never heard from them or anything. I'm like, okay. And I've had a lot of trans friends who say, so they want to hire my crew, but they tell me I cannot perform. What are they? Like uh, a, a, a dancing crew, but they right. tell me I oh. cannot perform. And I'll be like, why? The fact that just because you are trans, that you cannot perform, the fact that you are queer, you don't have your narrative online or narrative anywhere represented, that's bizarre. It's, it's mind-blowing for me. Wait, wait, what? You, you mean, like, who wanted to hire your dance crew and you cannot perform in it? No, no, no. As in, and, and she cannot perform in it. She cannot perform in yeah, it. Yeah, So she has a crew. Yes. And then uh, they love the crew, but can you choreograph you don't... You don't also, someone else wanted to hire her crew, but because she's trans, they didn't want her in, yeah. in her crew. Yeah. Her crew. Mm-hmm. Her crew. Yeah. Exactly. Her okay. crew. And there is... It breaks my heart that such visibility exists, the shutting up and the shutting down. We love you, Allah, but we cannot have your, your story, your narrative, your face on our things. Right. And I said, fuck this shit. I'm going to put you guys on my channel then. And that's why on my channel, even when they're on it, right, I don't make it about the trance of it all. They're just there. They're just people. Like normalising it. Lah. Yeah. Which is basically what like Modern Family did really, exactly. really well. I, I really like that. For if I was thinking like, it, it's such a wholesome show that like Channel 5 would have brought it. Same. But only because they had like a gay couple in it that they yeah. couldn't put it in, that they couldn't put And it. why? But if you look at it, if you look at the whole show and it's you just, just remove the fact that like they're gay and if you just remove a guy as, with a girl, it works the same, exactly the same way. But it's just, it's just that. Really, yeah. it's just, exactly. Narrative so, is not allowed here. 
this, this, this happened very much later into my YouTube years, if you notice. My YouTube years can be divided in five and five. The first five years were just indulgent. The first five years were just uh, us being us. Somewhere in the middle of the first five years, we started doing content for Singapore uh, and comment on Singaporeans. But after, the, after that, I knew what and why and who I wanted to speak up for mm. and the kind of conversations I want to bridge. Uh, so yeah, I've had so many friends who, who just never get the visibility because of who they are in existence. And I, I find it bizarre that you can don't censor on cable, cable, okay, um, acts of murder, acts of gruesome scene, but you would remove Kurt the gay guy from Glee and all his love scenes. It is bizarre to me that you would remove a love scene because the character's gay, but you won't remove gruesome acts of blood and murder because murder is fine for our children to watch. Answer that question. <laughs> yeah. are, are you happy with the pace that we are going in, in that area in locally? I will not deny that because of who I stand up for and the voices I speak up with, uh, it has sort of like confined me in terms of jobs. And, 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 but like I said, it is not about me. If I started whining online, oh my God, I didn't get this job because this person said that. I literally had friends who pulled away the minute I did Ping Dot. But... I never wow. brought it up because, or their names up because I thought to myself, this is not for the bigger cause, lah. Like, what is it gonna do? It's just gonna, it's just gonna make people feel defeated about the whole movement. And I'm not. The fact that after three, four years of Ping Dot, I am still surviving. I am still uh, living my life, speaking up for things I want to speak up for, and pushing my artistry. That you too can speak up for it. A lot of my friends who are, who are not even from the community are saying, oh, I can't lah. It's, it's so difficult for me. No, if it's anything, it's easier for you. If anything, it's, it's something that you do. Because if you're, don't, you don't speak up for it, you're an oppressor as well. So you think we all have a responsibility to speak? Uh, to bridge conversations. To bridge, conversation. to bridge conversations. How, how do you deal with all this like... Um pushbacks and like negativity I mean I'm sure it gets to you right it, it can get pretty I mean for me I'm a majority Chinese in Singapore which is male which straight. is quite yeah male straight conservative <laughs> <laughs> and then handsome Paul yeah, and it's like and, and sometimes I, I, I do get quite defeated with uh, the feedback I get uh, the comments I get and and then I read about you and I'm like how is how he do doing you deal with, yeah how do you how do you deal with it and continue continue choosing content like that to push out, continuing making the decisions that you're making. Maybe like share with us, like what, do you have like really bad experience and how do you deal with it? Uh, From either the, the Muslim community, the conservative Muslim community or the, like the anti-gay movement community. I'm damn defiant. That's, that's one that's trait about me. Yeah. I, I don't get defeated. I don't get ego bruised. I get challenged and motivated. If you tell me I cannot do something, the more I want to do something, the more I want to prove to you, yes, this can happen. So if you're telling me, no, this campaign cannot be like this, I say, no, look at it. I'll give you a traction of how it will look like. 
And then people are like, oh, actually can, can I? So I'm like that as a person. I get challenged and motivated. I don't get, I, I don't get defeated or get my ego bruised. Uh, I'll give you a very good example. I've finally started sharing these ping dot stories and instances uh, after four, four years of it. So right after the announcement of ping dot, there was a lot of heat and hate coming. People want to stone us to death, literally. They say, I was stoned to death. I'm By like, the way, for the audience that know ping dot, it's uh, basically like pride. For Singaporeans, kinda, yeah. In uh, you were the ambassador in two thousand and fifteen. That's right. right. Yeah. So, uh, well, what happened was there was a lot of people flagging us and hating on us, and people wanted to stone us, which I found hilarious. Like, what age do we live in? You cannot find knife or what? You need to stone us. Well, it's like something biblical about <laughs> yeah, stoning. La, I don't know, handphone or something. You know, just throw something more new age. So one of this incident that happened that I've never shared until. Uh, late last year in December, because we were doing promos for the show, was a story about how I was walking down the street after Ping Dot's announcement of my ambassadorship and had coffee spat in my face. Yeah. So what, what happened was, it's a, it's a very hilarious story now to tell. At a point of time, I was a little bit defeated, but now I can laugh about it. So you know that junction from uh, Mandarin Gallery towards Hirin? So I crossed from H&M towards Mandarin Gallery and then to Hiran. So that turn towards Sydney Leisure, yeah. the cars would turn right. Yeah. And I am super annoyed by the way Singaporeans walk. So I will always stand at the front of traffic light so that I get to walk first because mm. I don't like to maneuver. Singaporeans cannot walk. Okay? So I stood there waiting for the cars to turn and I was on my phone. Literally, the cars were turning. I was on my phone. And next thing I know, I felt this warm liquid and it was the the pressure of a spit it wasn't a pressure of a toss it wasn't a pressure of a drip it was a pressure of a spit okay and then next thing i know i felt warm liquid that was brown in my face i smelled it was caffeine next thing i know is right i said holy shit this is so embarrassing even if it was bird shit right this is so embarrassing i'm gonna pretend to be handsome first so i took my time out i was like so I like, what damn slow-mo, trying to be handsome about it. But next thing I know, when I looked up, I saw the window of the car going up, and then it was driving off. But by the time I did that, it was so quick that I couldn't catch the plate, I couldn't catch uh, the person's face. All I knew was that there was someone uh, on the other side of the seat, and then, yeah, there was a sequence, and there was, I couldn't see the face, I couldn't see anything. And the pressure was a spit. The scent was coffee. There is no way in this direction that a bird could shed coffee in my face. You know what I mean? So when, when it happened, next thing I know, I was staring at my left, right, and then people was, were looking at me and they, and they were just shocked. I was like, holy shit, this is so embarrassing, this is so embarrassing. And I don't know why, but at that point, I immediately texted my manager. I was like, oh my God, like this just happened to me. And I, I realized managers don't, don't care. <laughs> Like, man, it's just there for your job. Like, why would you care? What happened to you? Hey, but, you watch too much Hollywood movies, yeah. right? you, your manager manages But we have such emotions. good friendship, me and my ex-manager. So, uh, we still do. And she would, we were text, I was texting her, I was like, oh my God, I'm so mad. This happened to me, this happened to me. And I literally went to the gym after that to like vent out, right? Yeah. I was on the way to gym. And yeah, I never told... How, how, sorry, how do you know that? Like the person that was spitting on you because of the pink dot and that It didn't matter why. La. I'm just giving you the timeline. Right. Uh, it could be that the person just hates my face 
or whatever. It could be any yeah. one of the reasons where you make like people correct because your your content is very either exactly. you, they love you or they hate your guts. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, but this was the window la. This was the window right. When Ping Dot Just announced Our ambassadorship yeah. People wanted to Stone us People wanted And right. there were right. Many uncomfortable Instances Where Every time I saw a Malay person I would Like just drown I would like, cur- I, would, I would curve Into a ball And like Wish I wasn't visible uh, And that was The timeline So You're right It could or could not Be about Ping Dot But there, there was also The same week where brands pulled out. Brands have literally said, quote, unquote, oh, uh, we know it's fashion week and we approve you guys already wearing the outfits, but can you don't tag us because we're a heterosexual brand? Yeah. Wow. And this is an international label. So... It's an international label. Yeah. And wow. if I leak this story, right, I will go viral. I will be a sensation. Yeah. I will be an international sensation because there's no way this label in America would have endorsed that statement. But I'm not here to be viral. I'm not here to make that kind of conversation. I'm not here to be that kind of person. So I kept that to myself for three, four years. We didn't share it with anyone. I, I shared it on a status on Facebook, but my Facebook has only 200 people, and they are all my close friends. So right, one of these... personal page. Yeah. So one of these uh, newspaper journalists was like, bro, I want to cover your story. I need to cover this story. Like, there's no way that this is, this, this is fair. And I said, for what? What does it do? What, what do we get in the bigger movement of things that kids will now be scared to speak up for it no not about that life just deal with it first laugh about it and then when you prove to people that three years later you still can have a career you still can be sustainable you still can be successful then tell this story in jokes Mm. yeah I do see that point of view Um, but there's also the impact of it which will you know like, like movements are made from one one news to another, one news to another. Sometimes it just takes a photo. Sometimes it takes a news to push, tip it over. And I would, I would think that people would challenge that, say, like, you know, stories like that will be, will let the masses understand that this behavior is not acceptable. Mm. Like, for corporations to know that this behavior is not acceptable. Yeah. Like, if this is your stance, then make it clear. You know, then everybody who supports Correct. this side of your, your, of your narrative will support you. And if they don't, then they don't. So now, three years later, when I quote unquote in an interview like this, yeah. I hope they're shaking inside. Yeah. And I know they know I, and I hope they know that it's not acceptable behavior. Yeah. So you've gone through all this all this like rubbish in your life. How how do you continue? I mean why do you continue? Like because you think you it's worth it. You got a good question, huh? why continue? Yeah. I still don't know. Is it is it cast home? Is there a, if, even a financial <laughs> element to it? Do you think that's a, a commercial I wouldn't say financial? But it, is it sustainable? Yeah, is there a com- like you say? It's an area. It's basically a space, right? Same. Is there a, a commercial element to it, or is it a pure social element or pure responsibility element? To it? Uh, the the sustainable part to me is the more fun, creative part. Yeah. Uh, the part that I do for for responsibility or for social movements. Uh, those are. Those are things I would do at my own capacity if I can, if I want to. Yeah. It's so important that it's if I want to. Uh, if it's not, I won't force myself to do something. Like being here, I wanted to do it. I wouldn't force myself. I'm that kind of person. Uh, but the sustainable part is the, the fun part, the part with working with clients, the part with dealing with that kind of conversation uh, and coming out with creative and making it a business. That's the fun part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so far, not that bad. Mm-hmm. Sure, I, I would love to eventually 
earn what you know top influencers in the country earn. But if if this is it for now, I I just want to prove to people a template of things that they've never done before that they're not used to before and that is a successful track record and once brands see that and brands sees me as a game changer I call it change the game slay the game uh, then slay the game yeah, then brands brands will be on board lah. that's the thing with me I like to taste trend before it happens when YouTube started before it became big in 2012 mm-hmm. I did it in 2008 before it started yep. because I could taste that it's coming. And right now, I have a couple of things I taste in my mouth, which... Shelly, Shelly. Uh, so... When the camera, when the camera stops rolling. <laughs> when the camera stops. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is such an open market. And I'm like surprised nobody is on it yet. Uh, but it's my secret to keep. And then, yeah, so I like to do that. I like to taste trends before it happens. Right. So now I want to do content that brands are not used to yet brands are not used to yet but will eventually go like oh my god that's so cool and there's traction for it so when i have clients or agencies that that work with me because they trust my brand and dna right that they'll be like okay okay whatever you want to do we we on one i'll be like okay let me try and push even if i don't earn from it even if the bigger budget i'm paying my dancers and i'm paying my crew which is literally the last gig i earn nothing from it Mm. yeah Mm. it's just to prove like look this template worked lah Come, let's do more of it. So, it still sounds like you're very involved in like content creation and, and yeah. this is your... So, okay. So, why do you decide to stop like your channel? Ah, see. So... Yeah. Actually, I've been wondering like this should be the number one question everybody's asking you, right? But I actually don't see the answer in any of the articles and reports. <laughs> they they have, explain, like, yeah. it's, it's very wishy-washy. Yeah, it's very like, like not, not a straightforward answer. Why is that? The brand DNA of the YouTube channel of Muna and Shirzi is yeah. so strong. The voice is so strong that to be in your 30s with that voice is a very steep segue to do when you're 29 entering 30. Like to move and map it into your 30s and mature, the content mature with your, your age and your personality, right? It's super difficult. Also, there's a beauty in treating that piece of 10 years as an era, as nostalgia, and you put it on the shelf life just like a museum. So now that it's over and we're entering our 30s, we can also do our own individual things and create works, a body of works that are individual, but for the next 10 years to ourselves. So it's all about progression in that sense. I have ran far and wide and fast with my partner, Muna, in the last 10 years. But now, I think we can run faster to a different destination that we both want to go. So you all talk about, like, basically, like, what you want to... It's like, the, it's like, is your end game different now? After yes. that 10 years? So that's, that's basically the main, main yeah. issue. Like, you decided that maybe the direction is different and you want to yeah. do something different. And, and it wasn't just an issue. Our friendship is so strong. You have no idea, like... I believe in You don't this, find two like crazy people like that very often, so I think I can imagine. I believe in this lifetime that is mm. not quite at least in Singapore, a best friendship the way me and Muna have. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of personal underlying layer also that happens in between that we respect each other and go like, oh my gosh, this this is gonna be such a burden for you. So not a burden, but, but such a heavy responsibility for you that 
I don't think you need this extra load on your plate. Mm. And in our own personal capacity, we never shared yeah. who has to go through what. But uh, I, 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 I thought, okay, this is, this is actually an accurate conversation. Uh, so in our 30s, while we do our own things, uh, there's also a lot of personal layer and baggage that, that comes with maturity. Uh, and we love and respect each other so much that we'd be like, no, go for it. I understand. I completely understand. Right. So, and the 20s was, it's always going to be our friends' 10 seasons. You never, you always say, when are they coming back together? When are they coming back together? But you still watch 10 years worth of friends, even when it closed down 12 years ago, 14 years ago. Yeah, it's on Netflix, no? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're watching it on Netflix. And that's the nostalgia that yeah. we hope our body of work creates. That right. people always remember, oh my god, that was my childhood, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if you ever fapped to Muna before, she's turning 30 next year. <laughs> it so, took me a second there. Yeah. Right. If you ever fapped to Muna, fappable. <laughs> she turned 30 think. next year. So, wow, where did time go, right? Amazing. Yeah. Right. So, basically, um, so what, what's in store for you then? I think entering my 30s, there is so much excitement. Uh, I have a taste of doing live shows now. Yeah. And because I know, of your closing act. Yeah. Yes. And, and now, the problem with me and the good thing about me is once I taste of doing something, I have the taste of doing something, and I know how it's done, I will want to do more and do better more next time. Right. <laughs> so uh, I want to work on my comedy a little bit more. Uh, I want to... And I want to mature my comedy as well. And it, it comes with cutting off something and doing the next thing. At the same time, I also realize that fans will always have a taste for what you used to do. And that's why I brought one of my characters back with me. So I'm basically going to be bipolar in my 30s. My character is going to do her thing and I'm <laughs> going to do my thing. Yeah. And so if you've missed the 20s, Husey, you've got her. But if you're excited for Husey's new stuff, you've got me. So it's like a rebranding. Are you still going to yeah. do YouTube? Yes. So do you have another channel? Yes. What's the, what's the channel? It's all in the works. Oh, it's, it's, it's still work in progress. Yeah. You must think of it as a performance, yeah? your whole social media lifetime. Right? It's all a performance. You've got to think of drops like that. So I'll give you... You are going to make such a good producer, Thank director. You. Yeah. So can I tell you a, a, a secret in to our content for the fans? Too. The last time the Minas did a parody was December of 2016 when they did Side to Side, to which they announced that Muna Hirzi were closing. They were the first characters. After that, it was just all the other characters saying goodbye with their music parodies. Yeah. But the next time you saw the Minas in 2017 was the High Raya reunion video, which is a flash forward into the future. Okay? Okay. So if you notice, there's that time space that exists and in this future what happened was the Minas had a, had a falling out that's why they were all not friends Shasha had a child and Shasha got rich and then the other three Minas had spouses except for Shasha so this <laughs> so this was set five years down the road which was carefully planted that fans didn't know about ah, so it's an easter egg exactly so this next five years is what you're going to see with Shasha and the development of that storyline Right. So fans of the Minas will be like, oh my gosh, there's going to be a five-year reunion. Right. And so oh my gosh. Oh, so to you, it's 
like in a macro level, a show still yeah. in and out of the whole. It's YouTube an experience. Video. It's an experience for all them. Like the the YouTube, Instagram, and and Twitter and Facebook are just like pages, but if you pull out, that's the whole book, and it's fucking cool. It's fucking cool. So literally five years down the road, you're gonna see back that same reset the timeline. Wow. Yeah. Five years is a long time. You've made plans for so far. <laughs> Amazing. That's true. Like right. you don't even know what's gonna happen in five years, lah. Yeah, five years ago I was an idiot. Now I'm less of an idiot. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I am still the same idiot. Yeah. All right. So um, let's talk about something um, for people who aspire to be content creators. Oh, fun conversation. Right, so what, 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 will you think, uh, what do you think is the most important one, value, second, skill set to have mm. if you want to be like a successful content creator like yourself? The important value to have if you're an aspiring content creator is artistry. A lot of people are now focusing on following and numbers and what gets the view. My least favorite question in a seminar is when people ask me how to be viral. It's my least favorite question because that goes to show that you are more interested in the fame, in the popularity, in the money of it all versus developing yourself as an artist. So artistry means you understand why you're pushing online. You can be the Fandiyama children, right? And we all know they're great at sports. And that's what the Instagram game is about. And, and yes, they post their own personal life and stuff like that. But we know that's why we follow them. Because they are our nation's next best bet after the legacy of Fandi Ahmed. Versus, oh my god, maybe I post this picture and I hashtag OOTD or hashtag this, hashtag that, that follow for follow and then like I'll get following. That's conceited. So what are you about? Who are you? Why are we following you? And the why are we following you is your artistry. People follow me because of my mouth. People follow me because of my comedy. People follow me because of the things I stand up for. And that's your artistry. That's my artistry. The most important skill set to have is... Honestly, if I'm being practical, the answer is producing. A lot of people don't know how to produce. Mm -hmm. I know people who, the minute they have a budget, right, will spend 40% of the budget on costumes when if you're smart, you can ride out and loan so that you'll save up money. Uh, producing is such an important skill set to have and, and I'm blessed that my degree was in producing. Uh, and What's your degree? Uh, it was in creative producing. My professors were all Hollywood Jewish producers. Wow. So it was very strict. Which explains why your mind works the way it is, like planning five years ahead and seeing oh, yeah, things in actually. a very, very wide, wide scale of things. Because... I'm not like that, but I'm learning to be a producer right now and I'm starting to, I'm working from the bottom up, you know, learning on a segment and, and that's why it really intrigued me when you talked about like the Instagram and the Facebook and everything being one book. Yeah. I think that's the producer education that you had. Probably. Mm. Shout out to Rona, Nana, <laughs> my favourite Jewish Hollywood producers. Shout out to you guys. Uh, but, yeah, that is, that is the practical answer, mm. but the more the more personal answer, yeah. the most important skill set to have is uh, the, the will to the will to develop. Okay. 
you must develop everything. Your skill set, your talent, your artistry, your business. Everything is not a one-set-fit-all. And while I push for artistry all the time, right? I'm not saying your following is not important. You don't have followers, how would the brands come to you? You must understand the brand, the artistry, and the business in you. You understand these three and you want to develop these three, you're good. The brand, the artistry, and and the the business. Okay. Okay. Are you confused? No, 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 no. I assume the brand, meaning like what you stand for, what's your X factor, what what are you known for? Mm-hmm. Your artistry is the skill set you need to express those uh, skill set that you have, the talent that you have, and then the business is basically how the business works. Like how do I how do I get clients? How does my following affect uh, how much I can charge and everything stuff Correct. like that? Okay. Actually, it's artistry, brand, and business. And in that order, you understand your artistry. You understand what you're about. For example, you are a f- you're, you're a Fandi Ahmad child, you are a sports legacy, and people are excited. The, your artistry is people are excited to see how you live up the legacy of Fandi Ahmad you know, in your yeah. sports. And each of them have their own thing. That's your artistry. Yeah. And then your branding is, okay, how will I present my image on social media such that people realize, oh my gosh, if I pop my brand with them, that uh, this is the cool edge I get. So branding is understanding your DNA as a person, your DNA as an artist, and selling that to the bigger audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's, where, that's when brands come into you. And after that, understanding the business, how do I change the game of consuming my artistry? And it's all a full circle. Right. Interesting. Okay. Before we end, you can ask the audience one question. Wow. And they'll reply here on the comments. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be serious, huh? It can be, but it can be deadly serious as well. My question, do I look straight at the audience? Yeah, sure, please do. My question to the audience is, after watching this, if you've not followed me, why haven't followed yet? <laughs> That's not a threat, by the way. That's a serious question. It is a threat. You can write something like, like, because I hate your face. That's yeah. completely acceptable. Yeah, right lah, right. If you want the Mina to stand outside your house, you watch out, okay? I have a couple of mud rapes who know how to hack the internet and find out where you live based on your IP address. Careful. I have no further comments for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What?